This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for October 9th, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. The message is by Father Dick Palmer. What I've titled this is Marriage, a Vision of the Church. And in this lectionary, they usually have, they have the Psalm 128, which is this. Happier they who fear the Lord and who follow in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of your labor. Happiness and prosperity shall be yours. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like olive shoots around your table. Sounds really great, doesn't it? Sounds like a promise. But then, how is it that we see in reality all around the world there are people who do not eat the fruit of their own labor, that a small percentage of people seem to reap most of the benefits of the labor of others, or a small percentage of people seem to reap what others have done for them. And how is it that there's great wealth for some who do not labor and a terrible poverty for those whose lives are little but labor and toil? There's a reading in Genesis, which is also in the lectionary for today, a reading from Genesis, which says, God himself set out to create a helper suitable for man, and he made woman. Flesh of man's flesh, bone of his bone. And in the gospel for today, Jesus says that in marriage, a man and a woman are united into one unit, never to be separated, because this unit was made by God. Sounds pretty definite, doesn't it? Why is it then that there is developed between men and women in this modern world such a division or maybe I should call it a lack of understanding that the sacrament of marriage is being rejected so often in the favor of temporary relationships, conditional commitments? Why is it that there are men who reject women and women who reject men? to such an extent that they would choose to make their primary commitment to those of their own sex. God created two sexes, made them distinctly different, and pronounced the arrangement as good. So why is it that we see such a struggle in this present age, to blur the distinctions that make 
women uniquely women and men uniquely men. Two complementary halves of a distinct unit. Now the answer to this question is the same. Because we live in a world suffering from a terminal disease. And that disease is spelled S-I-N, sin. And thank God there's a remedy for this disease. And it's available to everyone, to you, to me, to everyone. And unlike the treatment for catastrophic diseases, this remedy is free, it's available to all. I say free, actually, it costs nothing. And yet it really costs everything. You know, Jesus, Jesus pulled no punches in his day. He pulled no punches regarding the finality, the absolute, and the irrevocable bond of marriage. Why then is, are people permitted to divorce? Jesus said it, it's because of our hardened hearts. The reality of life, the reality is that we're all sinners, and the way we treat our relationships with one another usually proves it. And that trouble is that you and I live in a me-first world. Whereas Jesus reiterated as he served with his disciples that the kingdom of heaven is an other's first world. Jesus knew how, it's, how, Jesus knew how it is with us. He in his human life here on earth was fully aware of what's in the human heart. He became one of us strictly for the purpose the very purpose of experiencing and defeating every me-first temptation to which we are daily exposed. He came as a man, fully human. He suffered, died on the cross in order to set us free from that pull of sin that's in us and over us. And you know, the same thing that works in a marriage, works in the church. And that is one word, commitment. It's not possible to make a real commitment when you have that me-first attitude. The kind of commitment that Jesus says that marriage should have is that commitment to become one person. Two complementing halves of a whole. A oneness that could only be broken by death. You know, when you, if you think back to the early scriptures, woman was created by taking out of man one of his ribs. 
So man is not complete. He's not one body without a woman. Is divorce lawful? Yes, conditionally, within the context of the law of Moses it is. Within the laws of many states, it's legal. It's a, in fact, it's a legal system of our country and of the countries around the world. It's legal. But lawful or not, Divorce is a sin because it's falling short of what God ordained for us. It misses the mark of God's will for us. It is a part of life. And it's been so since the time of Moses. But only is a part of all that that was spoiled when sin came into the world. And because that's so, you and I need to be humbly repentant for ourselves as individuals and repentant for the world that we live in. And as in marriage, we also far short in our life as the body of Christ, the church. And you know we fall short within the church for this very same reason, me first reason. Our commitment is too often conditional. We're inclined to have that attitude that says I'll be a part of this only as long as what's done here pleases me. As long as it fills my needs. But friends, the church is an organism. It's a body. It's not just an organization. It's not just an institution. And when you and I are members of a church, when we're truly members of a church, there's a oneness among us that's like the oneness of two persons in a marriage. In Ephesians 5, Paul goes on to describe for the people of the church at Ephesus the attitudes and the behavior that will work together to make a true marriage. And he begins with a blanket admonition. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now this is what Paul says to husbands. He says, husbands, love your wives. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up himself for her to make her holy. Cleansing her by the washing of water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant bride without a stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This is the love that Christ has for the church. Then he goes on, he says, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. 
After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it, cares for it, just as Christ does the church. And in this church, you and I are members of his body. And in the marriage ceremony, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. When Paul says this, he's really quoting Genesis. And he continues, he said, it's a profound ministry. It's a profound mystery. But when he talks about this between a man and a woman, he's talking about Christ and his church. However, he says, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. In the passages I just read, Paul spoke to the wives first, but I had sort of reversed this order. Because it seems as though sometimes men hear those words calling for wifely submission. And then their ears go deaf. And they miss the most important part of the message. And then women hear them, and they get their dander up. And they neither listen for the full import of what Paul is saying. That marriage is in itself a model of the church. That the people submit to one another. That they respect one another. Out of love and obedience to Jesus. Think what marriage would be if husbands tended their wives with the same diligence with which they tend their own needs. And if wives accorded their husbands the same respect that the church owes to Jesus Christ. But of course, we don't do that. We fall short as marriage partners, and we fall short as church members. You and I live as me-first people. <clears throat> and make conditional commitments in both areas. Nevertheless, Jesus Christ became one of us when he came to earth. And there's a section in Hebrews that tells us he was made a little lower than the angels in order that we might be saved and made holy. You and I fail fail, and fail again. But the good news is there's victory in Jesus Christ. You and I can be made a new people in him, and the Holy Spirit continues to work in us to take away that me-first attitude. And the Holy Spirit continues to fill us with the kind of love it gives us both the desire and the strength to keep both the covenant of marriage and the baptism and to live out the promises that we made to our spouses 
and the promises we've made to the church. But you know the only way <clears throat> that the love for our spouses, the love for the church, this is not created by us. The only love we have to give each other, the only love we have to give to the church is the love that Jesus Christ gives to us. So if we're not tuned into him, we don't experience that love that we need to express to our family and to the church. It's only when we turn our life over to him Put him into our hearts that this is even possible. The only foundation on which a Christian marriage or a Christian church can become what God intends it to be is that foundation of faith in our Jesus Christ. Trusting in what he has done for us on the cross. Seeking the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit to help us live out our commitments. So all I can say this morning well, is, Lord, be with us. Lord, be with us as we seek to hear, understand, and obey your word. And to give ourselves wholly to your love. to the love which you place within us. Because, Lord, we want to truly be a covenant people, and we want to keep the promises we make, both in our marriages and in our church. You were just listening to Come and See. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Anglican Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrews is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to come and see.